Hi, I'm not Casey. Um, just for those of you that sometimes get us confused, people always get us confused. We are related. For those of you that don't know, I am Uncle Chris to Casey. So Casey is my nephew. I'll let that sink in. That's right. We are from the same genetic pool. And when you look at us, you would go, nope. But yep, yep, it's true. And uh, so uh, Casey's not here this week, so I got a chance to come and speak to you guys. So I was excited, and he told me what I had to talk about, and I was like, oh, wow, okay, thanks. Um, no, because uh, we got a really heavy topic this week, so I don't get, so those are probably all the jokes for the whole time. I don't know. I don't uh, get to joke around much because you guys have been doing this series, this flip the script. I love this idea where you're taking things that the world looks at one way and you're saying, how do we look at it different through the lens of our faith? Why does that change things? And uh, the topic for this week is just really big. Uh, so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to read some scripture and talk about it, unpack it, and then we'll be done. So let me pray. Lord, uh, thank you for this time that we have together. Lord, thank you that your word gives us a different way to look at things than what we would think of as the natural way to look at them. Lord, thank you that, that you don't want us to live like everybody else. But you want us to live in freedom. You want us to live in righteousness. You want us to live in a way that shines in a dark world. And Lord, I just pray that today, um, I know there are some students in this room that what I'm going to say is going to be hard to hear. And Lord, I just pray that you'll prepare their hearts for that. I pray for the ones in this room that are going to need to deal with some things maybe at the end of the service. I pray that you'll be preparing them for that. And Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will just show us what you have to teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you can go ahead and get out your Bible app, whatever, your Bible. If you have a, an actual physical book, how many of you have a Bible with you, a real Bible, a Bible Bible? Look at that, all the, all the grown-ups and, and like two, two of you guys, all the leaders are like, yeah, I got one, and oh, then like one up here. But I, I like to have a Bible just because I like to mark stuff you know, and write stuff. But I see some of you, you got like notebooks and everything. That's great. Um, so we're in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. So Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. This is Jesus talking, all right? Jesus is speaking to people that are around him who are people of faith. And he says this. He says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. Wait, no, let's stay there just for a second. Go back just for a second. Your enemies who hate, who curse, and abuse you. This is who we're talking about today. Okay? Keep going. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good, 
to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. And then I want you to highlight this. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. So he's saying, I love that line because what he's saying is that God is merciful to you even when you're not grateful for it. So why would he not be merciful to evil people? And, and, and here's the thing. I love this passage, but I think sometimes when we read this, we, we lump it with the passage where it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. And we start softening what this passage is saying. We kind of like dilute it. Because we're not talking about your neighbor. We're talking about your enemies. And when I say enemies, let's throw this out. I'm not talking about the teacher that gives you a hard time. Right? Some of you, when I say enemy, that's what you're picturing. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that person that maybe has mean things to say about you behind your back. I mean, that's an enemy, but I'm not talking about that. That's, that's still small. That's too small for what this passage is talking about. I'm talking about and you guys are too young to actually remember this. But I'm talking about people who fly planes into buildings and kill thousands of people. Jesus is calling us to love them. I'm talking about people who climb up into a hotel room and start shooting at people at a concert who have nothing to do with them. That's who God, Jesus is calling us to love. Right? He's not just calling us to love someone who we have mild displeasure with. Let's define what enemy means. Enemy means someone who wants your destruction. Someone who does not care about your life. Someone who has nothing to give you and wants nothing to do with you. And see, when we read this, when we read this, we, we kind of think about our personal enemies. But Jesus lived in a world where his enemies were in power. Jesus lived in Israel during the Roman occupation. Let me just throw this out. The Romans were brutal occupiers. Jesus' crucifixion was not the only crucifixion that happened in Rome. In, in, in Judea in that time. In fact, during Jesus' life, there were at least three mass crucifixions where more than a thousand people were crucified and left at the top of hills as reminders of what happens when you rebel against Rome. Forty years before Jesus' birth, Rome leveled the temple because of a Jewish uprising. And then they put a king in place who could be a puppet of Rome. His name was Herod. And Herod rebuilt the temple to kind of make the Jews kind of back down, right? 
Jesus came into a world, just remember this. You remember when Jesus was born? Anybody remember that story? Jesus is born, the wise men come to Herod, and they say, hey, this guy's born. We think he's going to be something special to your people. Herod kills thousands of children by using Rome as his fist. That's the enemy Jesus is talking about. 30 years after Jesus, Rome will come in again. The Jews will rise up. Rome will come in again, and they will level the temple, and it will never be rebuilt. Till today, it hasn't been rebuilt. He's talking about enemies who want your destruction, the destruction of your way of life, of everything that you hold dear. Now, here's the messed up thing. When we look at that, it's easy for us to go, yeah, yeah, how can we love those people? How can we love someone who hates us that much? Here's the thing. We have a tendency to begin to look at people who are our enemies as evil. You see what I'm saying? Now, I know some of you are like, well, they are evil. Flying a plane into a, into a building is evil. You know, shooting people from a hotel window is evil. A king who, who says that all the babies that are born of this certain age, they're evil. And, and, and that's true. But you've got to understand something else too. Something that I think God wants us to understand. I think sometimes when we begin to think of people as evil, we begin to think of them as monsters. When we think of them as monsters, we think of them as something to be feared and something that can't be changed. But even the most evil person you've ever met is a human being. C.S. Lewis said it this way, you've never met a mere mortal. Everyone you meet is an immortal soul living in a physical body. Someday they're going to be something so amazing that if you saw them right now, you'd be tempted to bow down. Or they're going to be something so horrible that you'd be, like, sick if you saw them. And, and you say, well, Jesus, this is, this is a hard thing to teach. And some of you right now are going, yeah, there are people that are evil. There are people that are bad. And, yeah, there are. But sometimes we're evil and sometimes we're bad. Right? And if we want God to be able to forgive us, we've got to be able to look at those people and see them as forgivable by God. There's a story that I'm not going to go into, but you may want to write it down. Um, Matthew 8, uh, verses 5 through 13, is a story about Jesus interacting with these same enemies that are going to crucify him, that are going to put him to death. He's walking along the road, and this, this guy comes riding up. Now, now understand, um, have you ever been walking along the road or, or walking along somewhere, and a police officer comes up to you, and he makes eye contact, and you know he's coming to you? Some of you have never experienced that. I used to be, all right, years ago, <laughs> all right, so years ago, I didn't look like this. I was uh, this skinny kid with a black mohawk and a leather jacket and combat boots, and I used to go to punk shows all the time, right? And hang out with guys who had black mohawks and combat boots, right? And, we, and so every now and then you'd be doing something and you'd be not doing anything wrong and, the, and an officer would come up to you, right? Now, I knew how to behave with an officer, right? My friend Jim did not. And I always was afraid when I saw a police officer coming and Jimmy was with me, I was always scared, 
because Jimmy could not control his mouth. Some of you have friends like that, right? Who, when they get nervous, they say things that they shouldn't say, they do things they shouldn't do. And so, but I knew how that was. Um, sometime, I, I know I've told some of you the story, but I'll, sometime you, you should hear the story about the time I almost got arrested in um, Nashville. But I'll tell you that another time. But, but uh, when a policeman comes up to you and you are, you know, you're not a normal, everyday, average-looking person that is mainstream, or maybe you just don't look like the people in the area where you are, right? Maybe you have the wrong skin color, you have the wrong hairstyle, you have the wrong clothing, and someone comes up to you who's someone in power, it can be a freak out, right? It makes you nervous. You don't want to do the wrong thing. You, you kind of keep your hands where they can see them, you know, and you, and you try to be casual. So here's Jesus walking along, this Jew, with a group of other Jews walking along. And a guy comes riding up. The guy who comes riding up is a centurion. He's a Roman officer. A centurion is not an officer like somebody who has an office and they, they're up high and they're like, yes, we should send the ranks over here. We should send the ranks over here. A centurion more than likely fought his way up through the ranks. A centurion was someone who commanded a century, a Roman century. Usually that was between 81 and 100 men. Those men would die for him. They would do whatever he said. When he blew a whistle, they would do what they were called to do in an instant. That's why the Roman army conquered the world. These guys, these centurions, he's hard as nails. He's, he's as tough as they come. He his weapon that he carried most of the time in battle is a vine rod. It's, it's a, it's a grapevine. You guys have seen grapevines, right? He'd cut a grapevine and he'd use that. He'd beat you with it. His men were so scared of that vine, they would do anything not to get hit with that vine. These grown men were afraid he was going to whip them with a switch. That's who we're talking about. This guy was the epitome. He was the representation of Roman power and Roman oppression. And he comes riding up to Jesus and Jesus, guys. Now, most of the guys with Jesus, most of these disciples are young men. So you can see them kind of going, oh no, oh no, oh no. Hey, Jesus, 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 centurion, centurion, centurion. And, and they're like looking for some place to hide, right? And he rides right up and Jesus is like, hey, can I help you? And the centurion says, I have a servant who's sick. Will you come with me? Not come with me, but will you come with me? Will you come with me and heal him? Or no, he says, will you heal him? He doesn't ask him to come. Jesus says, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I have time. I don't know if I can come. Like he's talking to the, the centurion like that. And the centurion says, no, 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 no. You don't have to come. I am a man who commands other men. And I believe you have the power. If you say be healed, he'll be healed. You don't have to come with me. I trust you. This is the enemy saying that to him. And Jesus says, I've never seen faith like this. In all my travels, I've never seen anybody with this kind of faith. Go your way. He's been healed because of your faith. This is the enemy. Now, here's the thing. I tell you that story because I want you to understand. Jesus is talking to people who believe that Rome is their enemy and always their enemy. But when Jesus interacts with Rome, he doesn't interact with Rome. He interacts with people. He looks at a person. And so 
when we begin to look at our enemies as monsters, not as people, we begin to think of them in a context that's not right. See, because as good as you are, there are there's probably someone in the world who does not like you. And, and here's the thing, they might have very good reasons not to like you. You say, no, 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 I try to be good to all people. Look, the problem with relationships, and you guys know this, you've probably heard this before, you've probably heard me say it before, we judge other people by their actions, what they do, you know? They were rude to me, they were mean to me, they were smart aleck to me, they, they hurt me, they did something to me. But we judge ourselves by our intentions. Have you ever made the excuse, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, Right? I hurt your feelings, but I didn't mean to. And we're telling people, you should judge me by what I meant to do, not by what I did. Because we want them to judge us like a person. But we judge other people a lot of times by what they've done, right? You hurt me. You did this to me. You, you intentionally ignored me, right? So when we look at people, we have to we have to begin to, to understand that people are human. They're fellow children of God. They're loved by God. I love Lord of the Rings. I, I know that's a side, that was a, real, that was a real juke right there, wasn't it? <laughs> but I do love Lord of the Rings. Anybody like Lord of the Rings? Even marginally, like you're okay. Like not even necessarily the books, but the movies. You like, you, you've got a general. The, the thing about it that I love and the thing that I love, I love fantasy authors. I just read a book, the great book called The Way of Kings. Amazing book. But the thing I love about fantasy literature is it's so black and white. You know what I mean? Like if you watched Lord of the, Lord of the Rings and you saw the orcs and the goblins, none of them were like tapping each other on the shoulder going, hey, hey, do you think we should be doing this? I feel like they're not as bad. Maybe we should just try to make a peace treaty with them. No, they're like, looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Like, they're going to eat each other. They don't care. They're completely unredeemable. They're evil. They're the embodiment of evil. They, they, everything about them, the way they look, the tusk, and you know, it, the way they talk, when they talk in their language, it sounds evil. You know, like, it's, it's perfect. They're, that's why I love fantasy. Because it's black and white. It's evil and good. But the problem is that I want to put that, that paradigm, that, that picture on my world. And it just doesn't work. See, because the, the worst person you know, the biggest enemy you have, Jesus hung on the cross for them. You realize that? He loves them as much as he loves you. He gave up his life for them as much as he gave up his life for you. That's crazy to think about. I don't believe Jesus died for orcs, right? I think they're irredeemable. But I believe that the worst person you know, the person who commits the mass shooting, the person who, who does these evil things, these acts that we look at and we go, that's so dark. I believe Jesus died for them. Um, so here's the question. How do I love my enemy? I got 
10 minutes. I can do this. 10 minutes. How do I love my enemy? I want, want us to look at a passage um, in Romans. Romans 12, 14 through 21. Now, this is kind of reiterating the same thing Jesus said in the other passage we looked at, but I think it gives us a little more, it's a little more practical, where Jesus is just saying, love, love, love. This is saying a little more. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Anybody know what haughty is? Haughty? What is it? Yeah, arrogant. Don't be arrogant. But associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. I love that line. Never be wise in your own sight. Like, if you're the only one who thinks you're making a good choice, then you're probably not making a good choice, right? Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of, of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, beloved. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written... Vengeance is mine. I want to hold on this for a second. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Some people read this, and I've had people say this all the time, where they go, well, so what happened to the Old Testament? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You guys have heard that, right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You know what? It was saying the same thing. It was saying it from a different perspective. So it's saying, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, is what he's saying here. But that's only one step past an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. When we read that, we read it as if someone takes my eye, I'm, I, I should take their eye, right? I should pay them back. But that's not what that passage is about. What that passage is saying is if someone hurts you in a specific way, they take your eye, they knock out your tooth, the most you can do to them is do the same. What it's saying is this is a maximum penalty. So it's saying if somebody gouges out your eye, you don't have the right to take their life. You need to make sure that you understand as far as you can go is that. It's still saying justice is justice and God wants justice, not revenge, right? So this is saying vengeance is mine, I will repay. I think sometimes we want vengeance because we don't trust God. I mean, I, and I know that's, that's hard to hear. But we want to pay people back for what they did because we don't trust that God's going to take care of them. That God knows them as well as he knows us, right? All right, keep going. Um, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God for his written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Yes. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, Give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome. This is, a, this is the big one right here. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So here's the thing. If you want to, if you want to change your opinion, your, if you want to deal with someone who is your enemy, right? I've got two things that you need to do. Just two. Just two things. And you may want to write these down, but you can probably remember them, all right? First one is, pray for your enemies. And I'm not talking about this prayer, because some of you have said this prayer. I've said this prayer. Dear Lord, 
Strike them down with your wrathful might. Send a lightning bolt through the top of their skull and out through their shoes so that they will know your divine wrath and they will know how mean they are. Like, don't pray that prayer. Even though I I understand the wanting to pray that prayer, I, I have prayed that prayer. Not about anyone in this room as far as you know. So, but you should pray for your enemies. And, and, and I mean this. I mean, I'm talking about praying for their best. Praying that God will bless them. That's hard, right? And some of you are like, I can't do that. Well, then here's the prayer you should pray. You should pray, God, I hate this person and I know you don't want me to. Help me not, not feel that way. God, this person has done wrong to me, and I acknowledge that, but I don't want to hate them. I don't want to constantly be thinking about how to get back at them. Help me get past that. C.S. Lewis, again, I, I know I already quoted C.S. Lewis once. Two C.S. Lewis quotes is pretty standard. Um, C.S. Lewis talks about the fact that prayer is not to change God's mind. That we don't pray and God's like, huh, I never thought about it like that. Maybe I'll do it different. That's not what God's doing when he's listening to our prayers. God is using his Holy Spirit through our prayers to change us. I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone in to pray about someone and I feel a certain way about them at the beginning of the prayer and at the end of the prayer I have a different feeling about that person or about that situation because I believe God is changing me as I'm praying. So when we pray for people, pray for their best. Pray that God will change your attitude toward them. If you have someone that you really hate and, they can't, and their picture came to mind as soon as I said that, start praying for them. Because I believe that God does stuff too. I believe God does supernatural things in the lives of people. I believe sometimes the people that we hate end up being people that we love. I can tell you this. I can tell you this. And I wasn't going to tell this story, and I'm going to tell it really quick. But at a church I was at, probably it was, uh, oh, gosh, it's been a long time ago, like 25 years ago. First church where I was, there was this guy. He was like the head of the deacons. He was a former state trooper. He He was Mr. Rules, right? And so we had these kids coming to our youth group who all... Because I had been a punk rock kid and stuff, I had this heart for those kids. And so I had all these kids with Mohawks and, and you know, we had a smoking section outside of the youth building. I won't talk about that too much. But he hated it. He hated it, right? Because he was very rules-oriented. And we talked about this passage, praying for your enemies, and those kids, those weird, messed-up kids started saying, we're going to pray for this guy. We're going to pray that God will change his heart towards us. And I'm like, go ahead, dude, whatever you want to do. About two months later, he gets cancer. He finds out he's got pancreatic cancer. He's going to die. It's a death sentence. He knows that. And those kids said on a Wednesday night, we need to pray for him all night. We need to pray for him. We've been praying for him. We got to keep praying for him. He heard about it. Dude, I've never seen anybody change so fast and so hard. 
where he started showing up on Wednesday nights, hugging those kids. He loved on those kids. He showed them what it meant to, to really, some of them didn't have dads in their house, you know, and he's like, I'm going to be your grandpa. You don't have a dad, but I'm going to be your grandpa. And he was, he learned their names. I mean, he only had about six months with them, but towards the end, he was telling me like, I wish I had not been the person I was before. I wish God, and I wish God didn't have to make me sick to make me see. And I remember when he died while we were at camp. And I remember just looking around at the faces of these kids, just crying, weeping for this man who had been their enemy, who wanted bad for them, who didn't want them at church, who would rather have a church that looked like him than have a church that looked like them. And that's what he said. I don't believe they've changed because of the way they look. And by the end, he, his, his attitude changed. But I believe his attitude changed because those kids decided they were going to pray for him. They were not going to let his hate for them dictate who they were with him. Oh, gosh, one minute. Um, the other thing you need to do is forgive your enemies. And this is the big one, and I probably should have added, set aside more time for this. But for some of you, the person who's your enemy is your enemy for a reason. They're your enemy because they've done something to you. They've hurt you. They've hurt you deep. And some of you, I can't even speak to, some of your, your pain is deep, and it's deserved. And, and your hatred towards that person is deserved, in your mind at least. But if you don't forgive, look at this. Uh, I want to read. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. Forgiveness is the decisive factor in how much you can love your enemy. If you can't forgive them, you cannot do what Jesus said. You can't love them. And, and now here's the thing. Forgiving doesn't mean, does not mean that you have to be their friend. That's not what forgiving them means. Right? doesn't mean you have to spend time with them. It doesn't mean you have to text them every day and ask how they're doing. None of that, right? Forgiveness also doesn't mean that you excuse their actions. That doesn't mean that what they did to you is okay. It was still wrong, but you forgive them. But here's what it does mean. It means that you give up your claim on vengeance with them and you trust that God is going to do what he's going to do in their life the same way he's going to do what he's going to do in your life. You give up your claim on retribution and you let God work in them the same way God's working in you. So pray for your enemies and forgive them. If you do those two things, that's what it means to love your enemies. That's, if you do those two things, then the love is going to pour out of that. You won't have to say, I need to love them right now. It'll just happen. All right? So here's what I want us to do. Everybody go ahead and bow your heads. Close your eyes for a minute. And, and I, want, I, want, I want you to be inside your head for a minute. I want you to just think for a minute. Nothing's happening that, that matters right now except what's happening in your mind. I want you first to think about the biggest enemy in your life right now. For some of you, it's someone that is here, right? 
Not, not necessarily in this room. Maybe. I don't know. But I want you to think about that person. That person that's done, done wrong to you. Done evil to you. Maybe. And I want you to, first, I want you to do something. I want you to pray for them right now. Maybe you're going to pray for them, pray for their good. Maybe, you're, maybe the prayer you need to pray is, God, help me not hate them. God will help you forgive them. And I know some of you right now, as soon as I said that, as soon as I said it up here on stage, you were like, that's not happening. Chris, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how deep my pain is on this. And, and, and you know what? You're absolutely right. I don't. But I don't have to know that. I only have to know who God is. I only have to know that Jesus died on the cross for the person that you hate and for you. I only have to know that God can forgive them the same way God can forgive me and the same way God can forgive you. We're not different from them. We're people that God loves. Pray that God will help you do that. And I'm going to pray for you right now that, that that'll happen. Lord, I know that sometimes forgiveness is, is hard. Lord, there are people that wrong us and they don't have any right to ask us to have mercy on them or to ask forgiveness. But Lord, we, we, that's not the script that we live by. Lord, we flip that script. And we realize that it does not matter if they deserve our forgiveness. It does not matter if they're repentant. It doesn't matter if they've changed. Lord, it only matters that we are people that live under you. And people that live by your law, by your way of life. And because of that, we love people because you love people. Lord, I pray for the ones that are going to be wrestling with this idea the rest of the day. And Lord, I pray that as they wrestle, you will be there beside them, that they will feel your presence and they will know what they need to do. Lord, I pray for the ones here that have deep pain, that have been hurt deeply by people. And Lord, I pray that they'll begin to look at those people as people, not as monsters, not as, e as pure evil, but Lord, to be able to look at them as someone that you love, as someone who's flawed and broken and messed up, just like we are, just like everybody in this room. Lord, I thank you that you're a God who asks us to love our enemies and not carry the weight of revenge 
Lord, thank you for all you're doing in and through us and all you're going to do today. In Jesus' name, amen.